Identify your weaknesses. It is not your strengths. Our sport is very different than other sports. In other sports, it's your strengths that make you elite. If you're an NFL lineman and you are incredibly powerful and strong, you can make it to the NFL. Even if you lacked certain foot speed. Or flip it. Maybe you have incredible, you're incredible with your hands and knowing, you know, you can always get your hands on an opponent, but you don't have the, the bull rushing power. You could still make it to the NFL. What you want to do in those situations is double or triple down on your strengths. Mm-hmm. Imagine taking, um, you know, a, um, a gymnast who has incredible X, Y, or Z and just like, don't train that. Don't work on that. Let's work on something else. Well, all of a sudden now they're, the thing that got to the Olympics is gone mm-hmm. or a wrestler or something else. So what we want to do in our sport is you are only as good as your weakest link. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stopping. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Good, Patrick. Thank you. Today... We are back at a two-minute drill. For those folks who do not do not know what a two-minute drill is, um, it is when listeners send me really good questions and then I ask them to you. Very simple job for me this, today. You ready? Ready. All right. And I have to answer them in two minutes. Correct. Yes, that's why we call it. Or a in theory. Drill. Or in, in theory, you're supposed to. Otherwise, I think I'm supposed to slap you if you don't. But we need a shot clock. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. All right. Number one. How would you advise somebody who wants to take control of their diet better, but who has in the past struggled with an eating disorder of some kind? There's two major components that go into nutrition, and that is quality and quantity. Um, I would, for this individual that's had an eating disorder in the past, focus entirely and exclusively on the quality aspect. Eat as much as you want. Like, let's not limit the amount of food that we need to eat at all, but let's only eat produce and protein. You know, if we want to get like, so think about eating super, super clean, but forget about like the macros or calorie counting or weighing and measuring or, um, you know, plating the food a certain way. Just forget about quality. I'm sorry, forget about quantity and just focus exclusively on the quantity aspect. Real food matters. Next question. We've run a CrossFit gym for three years and have the possibility to get a bigger location five minutes from our current one. We were thinking of crowdfunding as a means to business development and getting the new place ready. Uh, They need bathrooms, front desk, new equipment, et cetera. Um, Would love your, your, or would appreciate it if you could talk about your opinion on crowdfunding from members. Okay. So this person is going to open up a new location. It's going to cost them money. They need to raise some funds. They could probably um, take out a loan. They could probably... um you know, go into debt of some sort, or their idea is to crowdfund. Um, so crowdfund, there's a bunch of ones from like Indiegogo to GoFundMe to, uh, what's the normal startup one? Kickstarter, thank you. Um, and basically the way these things work for people that might, might not be familiar with it is in, um, it's like a, a promise. If you give me 25 bucks, I'm gonna open a restaurant. You give me 25 bucks, I will give you $25 worth of food when we open up. It's going to allow me to open my restaurant. It allows you to feel good about this thing. It's a mutual exchange. Here's my take on this. If you can find a way to make a mutual exchange with your members, I love it. Mm -hmm. I did this when I opened up my affiliate. We were in a rec center. We want to open up this, 
you know, 5,000 square foot facility. I didn't want to go into debt. I went to my hardcore members, people that have been with me the longest that I liked the most and asked them if they wanted to get a lifetime membership. So not like give me 200 bucks in advance and I'll give you a month's membership free. I went, I went big. So I did give me um, a few thousand dollars for a lifetime membership. Now they got the huge win out of that because mm. we've been in existence for over a decade. So they paid it off in a, uh, two. To, I did like about two and a half years worth of dues was the the um, the number I was looking for. So the people that are staying with us paid off huge, but they took a huge risk on a kid that had nothing more than a promise. Mm-hmm. So you have to, in my aspect my take on this is like, you want to create this a win, 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 right? The win for you is you get some funds, you don't have to go in debt. The win for them is they're going to get more out of this than they would otherwise. That's a huge win. Don't try and cheat them out of that. Then the third win is because of that win, it's like a third win. It's our relationship gets stronger. And now the gym is stronger because we have these die hard members that are lifers that want nothing more than for our place to succeed. They become our biggest advocates and raving fans. Mm-hmm. It's also another win for all of the members who didn't buy into that, but took it, were able to take advantage of the new space, for example. For sure. There, yeah, we would not have been able to do what we did without that. Um, you mentioned, you, you made a point to mention that you only asked members who you liked. Yeah, because these are going to be lifetime members. Yeah, so it was that was a... Um, so I did my own personal vetting system of like, would I want this person to be here for the rest of, you know, my my business? Right. Um, that came that came fairly important. Yeah. Next question: I've been considering trying intermittent fasting, but being a morning class guy, wondering if you've ever had anyone adjusting their fasting window so that they can eat a good meal after a morning workout. Um. So little background on this: intermittent fasting, don't eat for you whatever you want, 12, 14, 18, 24 hours. But the kind of the normal thing is this kind of like um, only eat in an eight-hour window, right? Where essentially you're um, you're not going to eat for, you know, all morning. You're not gonna, you're basically going to skip until lunch. And that makes um, a much smaller eating window. P- most people do that. They fast through the night and then the morning because it works a lot better for a social mm. aspect of it. Yep. It's a whole lot easier to skip breakfast than it is to skip dinner. And that's really the reason why it seems to work fairly well. If you're not, if you don't have a family, if you don't have a job that requires you to wine and dine, like there's, that's, this would be the better thing, right? Mm -hmm. You should eat after the post-workout window. I think that's a phenomenal way to do it. It just doesn't work out that way for most people because the requirements of everyday life and being social. So if you um, don't have that requirement in your life, I would say definitely, yeah. It it might be harder because, um, you know, you're going to be going to bed hungrier yeah. than you would. Whereas normal, what most people do is they eat a nice big dinner. Yep. They go to bed feeling good. All they do is skip and then, breakfast. And then... Um, you could probably eat, you would probably eat something before the workout in that case, something small, because otherwise you'd go into that workout in the morning, not having eaten for 12 or something hours, right? Would you recommend, you know, whether it was a banana or something beforehand? If you're going to fuel your workouts, I would fuel your workouts. Yeah, Yeah, so exactly. I would. um, But again, like some people, that's just really individually based because a lot of people, let's say the person works out at 530 in the morning, 
a lot of people don't like the feeling of waking up, eating, and then jumping in a workout really quick. Whereas I eat something really small, but I work out at 6.30. I get up at 5.30, but I eat something right away. I have that 45 minutes before. So that depends a little bit about what time we're talking about and what time you wake up. Yeah. Okay, next question. I have a seven-year-old daughter who was, who was selected to play for an all-boys nine-year-old travel soccer team. She is one of the best in her rec league in, uh, of eight and under, but is struggling with the bigger, faster boys on the travel team. How do I feed her confidence and keep her wanting to work when she is becoming discouraged? Okay, eight-year-old girl. Seven-year-old girl. Seven-year-old, oh my gosh, Playing what a with stun, nine-year-old right? boys, yep. Seven-year-old girl playing up a division and across a sex yep. with nine-year-old boys. Yep. What a stud. Yep. Um, this might be a not with the... So and it's, the question is, how do I keep her confidence up? Yeah, exactly. This might not be what this person's looking for. Um, I would take her out of the league. Hmm. This is a Malcolm Gladwell thing of big fish, little pond. It's what they what we've been told for so long is you got to... Because of other books said, like outliers, you got to play like... Um, you, what we've been told for so long is you got to get them in the very best situation to get the very best coaching, to get the very best. And what they find out over the lifespan, when we're talking about people in their 40s, that's not who the most successful is. It's better to go to, in the example he gives, it's better to go to the University of Maryland and get straight A's than it is to go to Harvard and be a B student. Mm. The amount that it does for who you believe you are as a person if you are a big fish in a little pond, you are a stud mm-hmm. at Maryland, you have feel so much better about yourself and that carries over so many different aspects of your life and fulfillment later on in life. That's better, contrary to what we've been told about like then going to Harvard, but I went to Harvard and the connections and me just saying I went to Harvard, but it doesn't pan out the way we think. And that goes into the scenario with the kids. It's better to put your kid in the league that she should be playing in, having her be the stud in that league and having all the confidence. It's a really simple solution to the lack of confidence. She should be the most confident kid in the town. It's her surroundings and environment that's hurting that, not her ability. How would you go about explaining to a person who is convinced that losing weight is all about calories in, calories out, uh, that the quality of calories actually matters and that it's a lot more complex than just the in and out? I would say you're wrong. It's not that complicated. It is all about calories in, calories out. In terms of losing weight, Mm -hmm. if we're trying to lose weight, the number one thing is calories in, calories out. So the person that you're talking to is right and you're wrong. So you have to have the open mind. Now, if we're talking about health, it changes the perspective. Weight loss is not health. So if we're talking about health, then it's the equal game of quality and quantity. And then we can talk about what happens to insulin. And when your insulin bumps up and the host of diseases that come along with that, it leads to all chronic disease. But in terms of weight loss, don't eat as much. Mm. They're right. For nights with bad sleep, how should I adjust how should I adjust my training the next day? Should I reduce the volume, push through, skip it entirely? Yes. So it could be any one of those things, mm-hmm. right? It it depends. Here's my take on this. Forget about answering the specific of should I skip it? Should I push through? Should I adjust volume intensity? It it could be any one of those things. The thing to do is don't be a slave. This is gonna sound weird, but like 
Don't be a slave to the routine. Don't mm-hmm. be a slave to the habits. If you messed up the routine and you didn't sleep as much, the rest of the routine should not stay in place. You have to make the additional adjustments to get yourself back in place. That's like if if you if you're taking medication and you miss a day, you don't just like double up the medication the next day. You have to like make the new adjustments along the way. So here's my take on that is. If you, um, if you don't get enough sleep, you have to listen to your body. Don't be a slave to the routine. Don't be a slave, a discipline just for the sake of being disciplined. Try to figure out what is the best thing to do right now. So I'll give the real life example. I had a, a bigger weekend than I've had in probably three or four years. <laughs> three nights in a row, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we had events all three nights. The middle night, we went to, uh, there's a new casino in um in massachusetts like okay. uh, encore and we went there for a 40th birthday party i didn't get home till 2 30 in the morning that was sandwiched between two other events so it was like i was wrecked so the next couple days listen to my body i modified all three of the things he just mentioned i didn't skip it all together i went to the gym but i modified the load modified intensity and modified the movements to me that's the right way to get going um, to getting back on track, not digging myself a deeper hole mm-hmm. just because it's what's written on the board or it's because that's what I have to do to make myself feel right. Listen to the body. How much does the music in the gym during the workout affect the atmosphere? Do you think the coaches should be picking the music or the members? So I've just realized it's like six questions in one. Um, <laughs> do you think the coaches should be picking the music or the members? Do you think it's crucial for, for the affiliate owner to be paying for a streaming service like Apple or Spotify um, in order to not get commercials? Okay, let's actually t- ask me those again one sure, at a time. one at a time. Okay, how much does the music in the, in the box during the workout affect the atmosphere? Quentin Tarantino says the hardest part about making mu- a movie is picking the music because it affects the rest of the movie so much. It's so important. The music that you have in the gym matters a lot, a real lot. You have to pay attention to that. Next question part of it. Do you think the coaches should be picking the music or the members? The coaches should. Henry Ford said, if I listened to my customers, I would have built a faster horse. Your customers don't know what they want. And if you're going to try and satisfy one member, you might piss off the other 19. Now, having said that, letting a member choose something once a month or once a quarter just to like throw them a bone and let them feel good about it and then realize, then they realize like, oh my gosh, a lot of people didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Not everyone likes listening to Led Zeppelin. Not everyone loves The Who. Like we have members that love like classic rock, but then when you put it on and we do this every now and then, but it's like literally like twice a year, they're like, they, they're, they're, there's more rumblings about the music yeah. than there ever normally is. So you can okay. do both. Uh, do you think it's crucial for the affiliate owner to be paying for a streaming service like Apple Music or Spotify in order to not get commercials? Yes, 100%, totally essential, especially now. Yeah. Like commercials are an interruption in the most, literally, I mean, like it could not be a more jarring interruption in the middle of a workout. Yeah. Be Netflix, not regular cable TV. Um, what do you guys use here for you Spotify? Know, use Spotify. Cool. All right, next question. What is uh, one discipline that you perform daily that you feel has contributed to your success? Uh, this is going to sound a little bit like uh, an obvious answer, I think, but especially for art, but working out. Yeah. I, I work out six days a week. If I don't do it, I just, my day doesn't start cognitively I'm not there 
Um, uh, emotionally, I'm not there. Um, I, I struggle to grasp for words that I normally wouldn't struggle hmm. for. Um, I don't feel myself. My um, wake up at 5.30 a.m. I mean, like I just, maybe the other part is like, I don't snooze. Yeah. That's a habit that um, is really, maybe that's even the more important because that comes even first, right, right. is um, I don't snooze. Um, I feel like if I hit the snooze button, the rest of the day gets affected. Yeah, and that relates, I think, to the previous question about like your this past weekend why you didn't skip a workout you in fact you just i gotta you get modify, i gotta do right? it because i gotta get in why. and do something yeah that's yeah. why it doesn't have to be crazy no no no. i have to but, get but in and do the something the process of doing yes. it and moving through it so even when i like travel and i'm doing a seminar yep. and i'm like really pressed for time and i should be like practicing yep. um what i'm presenting i know i feel so much better if i go to the hotel gym yep. for 25 minutes and just start to move around a little bit Next question. I do CrossFit five to six times a week. Advice for getting my first strict handstand pushup. I've been chasing this thing for months. Okay, I'd love to see where they are right now. Yep. But if I'm going to do this in a vacuum and talk to the world about how to get their first handstand pushup, um, I would, I would, I'm, I'm trying to do it without. I would practice um, doing a handstand against the wall. Okay. So if you don't have the prerequisite strength for the finished end range of motion. And what also comes with that is the necessary mobility in the wrist and shoulders to hold yourself up, side down against a wall in a handstand position. That's the first thing we need to do. And we should be able to hold ourselves up there for between 30 seconds and a minute. Okay. And that's gonna be really challenging for a lot of people. So that's where I would start. Elbows completely locked out, hands just wider than shoulder width, and your shoulders, hips, heels, hands, all in a perfectly straight line. If you hold that for 30 seconds to a minute, now we're probably ready to do the next step, which would be um, a conjunction of some slow controlled negatives if you can. Now, if you can't, then we're gonna do the second part of this, but that means just lower yourself down slowly, come off the wall completely and kick back up. Can you take between five and 10 seconds of a slow drip, 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 all the way down, not hold the, the first two inches yeah. for 10 seconds and then drop completely. Yeah. One smooth controlled descent. While we're doing that, we're gonna grab a pair of dumbbells and we're gonna try to press, depends on your body weight obviously, but we love to see guys um, strict pressing for a few reps, um, 50 pound dumbbells, one in each hand, girls 35 pound dumbbells in each hand. We'd like to be able to do that for um, three, four, five reps. And if we don't can't do any one of those things, we'll just lean into whatever the hardest part is for you. Next question. How does an average CrossFitter become an elite CrossFitter? <laughs> that, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, the easiest, the, the place to start there is, well, is maybe in business, it would call, be called a SWOT analysis, yep. strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But we could probably make this a lot simpler and just us identify your weaknesses. It is not your strengths. Our sport is very different than other sports. In other sports, it's your strengths that make you elite. If you're an NFL lineman and you are incredibly powerful and strong, you can make it to the NFL. Even if you lacked certain foot speed or flip it, maybe you have incredible, you're incredible with your hands and knowing you know, you can always get your hands on an opponent, but you don't have the, the bull rushing power. You could still make it to the NFL. What you want to do in those situations is double or triple down on your strengths. Mm -hmm. Imagine taking, um, you know, a, um, 
uh, a gymnast who has incredible X, Y, or Z and just like, don't train that. Don't work on that. Let's work on something else. Well, all of a sudden now they're, the thing that got to the Olympics is gone mm-hmm. or a wrestler or something else. So what we want to do in our sport is you are only as good as your weakest link. If you're trying to qualify through the open and you come in, you know, in the world, in the world, you come in third place in the first workout and ninth place in the next workout and first place in the next workout and then 11th place in the next workout and the next workout you come in 433rd you're not going to qualify mm. even though you dominate you would have been in first place by dozens and dozens and dozens of points it is just what do you suck at yep. so what you need to do if you are the big strong powerful guy in the gym but you don't have the wind you got to work on your wind if you have incredible skills cuz you are a gymnast but you don't have the um, strength, you got to work on that, the Olympic lifting. Now, inside of all those things, there's ways to identify what your strengths and weaknesses are. Is it your mobility? Is it the technique? Is it your engine? So the idea behind this is you have to, as in the words of Chris Spieler, make friends with your enemy and then beat them to death. I'm not, not your, not your enemy. Make friends with your weaknesses. I don't know why I went there. Make friends with your weaknesses oh, you think and then that? beat them to death. <laughs> That's normally the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. What do you think of coaches that volunteer, aka don't get paid? Do you agree with it? Uh, I assume this is from like, what do you think of gyms who do this? Um, do you agree with it? What expectations should a gym owner have for coaches that they do not pay? Okay, so um, in exchange for a membership. Well, that's the assumption. Yeah, now. coaches are coming. Some of your members are coaching classes for you and you're not paying them and they're coaching classes. Um, the question is like, what can we expect yeah i get a do well one do do you agree with it it? yeah okay and then two uh, assuming that it's happening out there what should a gym owner uh uh, expect of that coach early on in the business life cycle when there is very little revenue and you're trying to pump every single dollar and cent back into the business to grow the business love it right so we can you're saying what we can do is we can limit expenses and we can that's phenomenal we love that now the problem with this is it's hard to expect anything from these coaches because they're the least bought in and you have really no control or ownership over these people whatsoever. So you cannot get them to come to coaches' meetings. Even if you're giving them feedback on their classes, back in the back of their head, they're like, dude, I'm just doing right. this to help you out. Right. Like, I'm not in this to like be a world-class coach. So really, when you start to hire people, that's when it changes the ball game. Imagine you and your buddies are going in the backyard to play flag football. Well, that's really different than someone you're recruiting for your division one football team. Mm-hmm. If you're in the backyard and you're like, you, you, you yeah. need to run better routes. You need to work hard on this. You need yeah. to be more of a team player. The dude's like, dude, I'm just here for fun. Right. Like I'm just, have, I'm just, this is, I enjoy just waiting this. for the like, burgers to be done. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> As opposed to like a recruit that you yeah. rehired and you gave a scholarship to the conversation shifts completely. So early on in the business life cycle, rock and roll. But as you grow and develop, you have to realize that you need your coaches to grow and develop. In order to do that, you should be compensating these people. And I think that that's one of the first um, like voluntary expenses we should be bringing on is starting to coach people, uh, starting to pay our coaches. Yeah. If you're trying to look for real specifics here, um, you could probably continue to have people volunteer until you get to about 100 members. After 100 and certainly certainly at 150, there should be no volunteer coaches. The last question I have for this episode, what keeps you motivated when things get difficult? 
I, uh, I'm going to go two things. The first one is um, legacy. So in terms of legacy, it's I think it's a weird word that people misunderstand. Maybe I misunderstand, but the way I interpret it, the way I like to use it is not I want a statue erected of me and people to like think about that forever. Mm-hmm. That's not the legacy. I don't want to like a building named after me. That's not the legacy thing. What I want is the people that I know and I care about. I think about this a lot. What are they going to say about me if I get hit by a bus tomorrow? Like, and not what are they going to say about me tomorrow, but what are they going to remember me in three years? Mm-hmm. And what are they going to say about me in three years? And, you know, I think about this a lot is um, when Bodie, my um, seven-year-old, when he's 35 and people talk to him and they're like, I was a member of your dad's gym. Like, what do I want them to say mm-hmm. the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. I was a member of your dad's gym, dot, dot, dot. Like, that matters a lot to me. Yep. So when things get tough, that's what I lean on is what is its perspective in the present moment, right? I think about how could I respond right now to create a scenario where down the road I'm doing the right things. Mm-hmm. So leaning back on that, do the right thing regardless. Now, the second side of this is when things get difficult, that's what we've been training for this whole time. That's when you put all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast to the test. If we never had a hard time, like what's this all for? Mm-hmm. Like nobody nobody looks at, you know, the week where they got home every day at five o'clock and there was no big to-dos at the office and no new projects. No one looks at those as like the greatest times. Mm-hmm. The greatest times is when you had to rally together with the team and you had to burn them in oil and you had to come in under deadline right at the last midnight hour and you were there like working so freaking hard and it was pressure filled and that was the tough challenging times. Well, those are the best times. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's what we're here in place for. So when things do get tough, if that call comes in the middle of the night, if um, my wife needs to talk to me about something really serious, if a coach is not meeting expectations, if an athlete comes in last place that I'm coaching, like all of those things, the thing I think about is, here it is. This is the time to buckle down, not get emotional, not freak out. This time to buckle down and rely back on all of the things that I've been training for and thinking about up until this moment. Thank you to everybody who sends me questions. Always appreciate it. They're always very good. You can find me on Instagram at PS Cummings. Continue to send them to me. Ben, thank you. We'll you, see Patrick. everybody next week. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.